Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 1. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Let us stand to our feet as we read the Word of God. How about that? John chapter 1, saints, we pick up in verse 6. John chapter 1, verse 6, if you're looking at verse 6, say amen. Amen. There was a man sent from God, whose name was who, saints? John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But verse 12, I need you to read it with me. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Why don't you take a seat in the presence of the Lord? Last Sunday, were you with me last Sunday? Just by a show of hands, were you with me last Sunday? Good, you know then we were talking about the Logos, L-O-G-O-S, the Logos. And the word is the Logos. Jesus is the word. Jump back up to chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And read the rest with me. And the Word was with God. Now, we established a fact last week that Jesus was eternally God. That there was never a time the Son of God was not God. I told you last week, John is not saying that the Word was there when everything else started. John is saying, in the beginning, from all eternity, there was the already existing Word. In other words, the Word never had a beginning. The Word was, write this down, eternal. The final five words of verse 1 are some of the most important words in the Bible. And the Word was God. It doesn't read, we talked about it last week, didn't we? It doesn't read the Word was what? A God, the word was equally God. Write that down, equally. Eternally God, equally God. The word was as much God as the Father is God. He was with God and he was God and he was equal with God. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6 tell us, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So the word is 
was eternally God and equally God. And write this down. The word was essentially God. In these short verses, John tells us everything that makes God God, the word possesses. Everything that makes God who he is, the word possesses. The word is eternally God. The word is equally God. And the word is essentially God. And we learned last week that the Logos was shining in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it or the darkness did not understand it. Were you with me? John told us Jesus is God. Jesus is creator. He's a creator of light and life. Beginning in verse six, John begins to expand and expound upon the truth that Jesus is the true light. And that he's come in the world. You got your pen? I want you to write this down. Four actions regarding the true light. And this is what we're going to talk about this morning or this afternoon. Four actions regarding the true light. The true light represented in verses 6 through 7. The true light revealed in verses 8 and 9. The true life light rejected in verse 10 through 11. And the true light received in verse 12 through 13. Did you get that? The true light represented, the true light revealed, the true light rejected, and the true light received. I've titled this sermon, The True Light. Point number one, the true light represented. Look at verse six again in John chapter one and verse six. Notice the Bible tells us there was, who saints? A man sent from God whose name, what was his name? John. Now, John, the John that we're talking about, is John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the last of the Old Testament prophets. Luke chapter 7, verse 28 tells us, There is no greater prophet born to woman than John the Baptist. John is greater than Elijah. He's greater than Isaiah. He's greater than David. He's greater than Abraham. John is greater than Moses, according to Jesus. Think about that. The greatest prophet who ever lived did no signs, no wonders, no miracles. And yet Jesus says he's the greatest. I heard a story I want to read you. A true story, actually, of Muhammad Ali, who, you know, Muhammad Ali is the greatest And uh, true story, Ali was on a plane flying to the Thriller in Manila. And as the plane was about to take off, the stewardess came in the aisle and she said, Mr. Ali, please fasten your seatbelt. And Ali looked up at the woman and he snarled and he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she looked back at him and she said, Superman don't need no plane. (laughs) Now buckle up. Amen. (laughs) The greatest. So we're talking about the Logos. Yes. We're talking about the word eternally existed. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, did you get this? We have the statement, there was a man whose name was John. Now, it seems like an interruption, doesn't it? Talking about the Logos, and now we're talking about a man. So why introduce a man here? Well, listen, saints. I've said this before, haven't I? When God is wanting to do something, 
When God is going to do something great and something awesome and something that's going to change the course of history, God begins with a man. Whether it be Moses or David or Whitfield or Spurgeon or Moody or Edwards or Luther or John Whitecliffe or John Knox, Martin Luther, John Wesley, Calvin or Smith, whenever God wants to shake up a nation or change the course of his history, he starts with a man. Look at verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John the Baptist, heretofore known as John the B. When God's going to do a great work and do something awesome in the world, he chooses a man. He didn't have to. Think about it. God chooses to use people to spread the gospel. God didn't have to announce the true light this way. He could have spread the light of Jesus using some flunky angel. He could have written the gospel with big puffy letters in the clouds. He could have used trees to talk or the wind to talk. Instead, God chose to call and send a human being to the bear witness of the light. This man, John, was born into the world. He had a specific time. In contrast to the Logos that eternally existed, are you listening? had no being. The significance of John is in the fact that he was sent from God. Think about it. John is in the same category of Moses sent by God. Exodus 3, write it down, 10 through 15. Moses said, God, who shall I say sent me? And God said, I am that I am. Isaiah 6, 8. Isaiah said, here am I, send, anybody know? Me. God sent him. Jeremiah 1.4, Jeremiah is a prophet sent by God to the nations. Jesus himself was sent by God. And John the Baptist, like the other prophets, was sent with God's own authority. Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, Jesus said this, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of a woman, there is none has not one risen greater than who, saints? John the Baptist, but he... Come on, read that last line with me. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. John is the greatest prophet among prophets. Why? Because John is the prophet that the prophets prophesied about. Did you get me? John is the prophet that the prophets prophesied about. What are you talking about, Willis? Malachi, for you Italian folks, Malachi, (laughs) chapter 3. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Talking about John the Baptist, the prophet Malachi is talking about and prophesying about Jesus. John the prophet was the prophet of prophets. John was the prophet that the other prophets looked for. John is a valedictorian of prophets. John is a prophet that would come on the scene and point his finger at the prophesied one and say, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. John is the greatest prophet because John's message was clearer, more current, and more correct than any other prophet. Write it down. Clearer, current, and more correct than any other prophet. When Jesus said John is the greatest prophet, 
Jesus didn't tell John that he was the greatest prophet. Jesus didn't tell his disciples that John was the greatest prophet. Jesus said that to the multitude. When Jesus made this statement about John, John was in prison, bummed. Jesus is outside saying, John is blessed. That tells us something, doesn't it? You never know what God is saying about you. You never, huh? You never know what God is saying about you. And it's a good thing you don't know. Amen. Because if he told you, you might get the big head. Say amen. So God doesn't tell you. Because if you get the big head, then you won't continue to grow in the Lord. And God is more interested. You've heard me say this before, haven't you? God is more interested in the servant more than the service. The Lord convicts and chastises us about things that we're doing wrong. And at the same time, he says, yeah, that, that's my son. That's Rodney. Final chap. God uses the word final chap. Final chap. God says, look at my people at Calvary Chapel. They are clothed in my righteousness and cleansed by my blood. And they take the time to honor my word and sing praise to my name, even though they're discouraged and doubting like John was at the time. They're still trusting and turning to me in in, in their doubt and in in their fears. You never know what God is saying about you in heaven to the multitudes. Jesus said to the multitudes, John was the greatest prophet. Did you get that? Even though John was great, Jesus said, the least in the kingdom is greater than John. Why? Because John's message was clear, but our message is clearer. John pointed out to the Lamb of God, but we have seen the Lamb of God. We, that that's been slain and actually taken away our sins. So our message is greater. Our message is clearer even than that of John. John was not only sent, but he was also sent with a purpose, and that was to witness to the light. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness, represent the true light. And by John's witness, we are encouraged to believe in that light. Through his testimony or his witness to others, we would be delivered from spiritual darkness. John uses the word witness. The word witness is a courtroom term. What are the traits of a witness? A witness has seen or experienced something firsthand. A witness is willing to testify to what he or she has seen. A witness commits oneself to that truth. A witness is no longer neutral. A witness is a person with knowledge that can help establish a truth in dispute. God had spoken to John in the wilderness about the coming Messiah. And God had a, had a meeting with John. And, 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 and at, at the baptism and John had experience and, and he needed to, 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 to be a bona fide witness. John is a witness of the true light, a willing testimony of what he experienced. And he has committed himself to sharing what he experienced. John was a witness to the light, but he made it clear that he was not that light. He was only sent to bear witness to the light. John was a witness, uh, the one, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. He was the preparer, the forerunner, the one who paved the way. He just wanted to point others to Jesus. Point number two, the true light revealed. Look at verse nine in your text, saints. That was a true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Now, listen, 
This is the first time John refers to the incarnation. One of the greatest doctrinal truths of scripture, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but the word incarnation means God became one of us. And John says the true genuine light has come into the world and gives light to every man. Now light is an incredible thing, isn't it? Light is an incredible thing. But come back from ministry in Oxford, and you know, I don't know if you've been in the Oxford, but it's like, it's like, who lives there? <laughs> it's like, who lives, I mean, who lives, it's like nothing out there but like cows and cows and there's nothing in Oxford. So we, you know, we're coming back, we're coming down the, the, the roads and it's dark, it's really dark. It's like we got back at 10, dark 30 last night, I don't know. And, uh, and, and it's dark and my iPhone, you know on the back of the iPhone where the little light shine, the little uh, flashy thing, and uh, what do they call it? A flash, yeah, that's right. It's, uh, it's been a long night, y'all, pray for me. And uh, so and my, my flash is on. And I don't know what happened. It just came on like four months ago. It came on and never went off. And it, it just won't go off. And I've had every techie person in the church look at it. A very good friend of mine knows all the Mac stuff and the iPhone stuff. He can't get it off. Nobody can get it off. I refuse to go to the Mac store. It's very evil there. And I just, I, I just won't go there. It's just something that's weird. I won't go there. So the light is on. It's constantly on. I've tried to get it off. I slammed the thing on the ground. I really did. In my, I'm, in my office, I was like, turn off. And I picked it up. I thought, surely that worked. And the light was flashing my eye. I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's still on. So I'm coming down from Oxford. And it's little bitty light, as you know, on the back of the phone. It's a little bitty light. But in the darkness, a little bitty light shines so, so bright, doesn't it? It's like one little tiny flicker of light in outer dark, in in black darkness, just really shines really bright. You can't stop light. Light is an incredible thing. Don't you understand? That's why Jesus said, you are the light of the world and you are the soul of the earth because you can't stop light. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm finna preach. Yes. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to preach from a song. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Everywhere I go, <laughs> I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> Y'all need to clap your hands for Jesus. Do something. <laughs> yes, sir. The light is in- unstoppable. It's powerful. It's incredible. Psalm 119, 130. The entrance of your word gives light and it gives understanding to the simple. Psalm 119, 105, your word, somebody help me, is a lamp to my feet and a light. Y'all need to help me here. And a light to my what? Path. Because light is so incredible, you don't have to defend it. Light is unstoppable. All you got to do is release it. All you got to do is let it, let it, let it shine and let it do what it does. 
God's word is unstoppable. And all you got to do is release it. It was Jesus himself who said, God's word won't return void. Am I right about it? And, and you can't stop God's word. Somebody say amen. You can't stop God's word. All you got to do is release it. You don't have to defend it with your unbelieving friends. You don't have to defend God's word. You just speak God's word because, listen, when God's word goes out and that seed is released, they cannot get it out of their heart. It's there. Then they can fight against it. They didn't fight against it for a very long time. But the Bible says God's word will not return void. That is either true or not true. And we believe it is true. Where my people at? Where my people at? It's true. So we don't have a defendant. Somebody once asked Mr. Spurgeon, said, they, they asked him, they said, Spurgeon, Mr. Spurgeon, how do you defend the Bible, sir? And Spurgeon said, well, let me ask you a question. How do you defend a lion? He said, you open the cage and let it out. Amen. You let him loose. You don't defend him. But you know, the truth is God has revealed himself, the light to the world. God has spoken through his creation. He's revealed himself in his word. He sent Jesus as savior. Yet people reject him and turn away in unbelief. John chapter three, go ahead and look there in verse 19. Here's why. Because men love darkness rather than what? Light because their deeds are evil. Point number three, the true life rejected in verse 10 and 11, please look at it. Verse 10 tells us he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. The word world in the Greek language, write this down, is the word cosmos. It refers to the world's system. It refers to the world that is anti-God and anti-Christ. The world system that seeks to put pressure on the Christian to conform. When God looks at the world system, he says it's corrupt. He says it's dangerous. He says it's polluted. The world system has some real problems. First John 2, 15, John tells us, do not love the world system, the cosmos, neither things in the world. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to the world, the world system. That's cosmos. Are y'all getting this? That's cosmos. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One writer said it like this. The world wants to change your mind, so it exerts pressure from without. But the Holy Spirit changes your mind by releasing power from within. If the world controls your thinking, you are a conformer. But if God controls your thinking, you're a transformer. We as Christians cannot get comfortable in this world. Come on, clap your hands and say amen. Will you do that? Can't get comfortable in the things of this world. John 15, here's some verses about this world. Write them down. John 15, 19, come out of the world. First John 2, 15, I just read that one. Do not love the world. 1 John 5, 4, overcome the world. Galatians 6, 14, die to the world. James 4, 4, therefore whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You cannot get comfortable in this world because this world belongs to Satan. Look at verse 11. The world received, look at verse 7. 
He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. The world received him not. Can it be any more clear? We are living, look at me. We are living in a world that receives him not. And that's sad. The world will receive anything. We are living in a world where, you know, when people, you know, people say, well, I'm spiritual. Don't take that to mean that they are a Christian. Uh Uh-huh. Don't do that. Because just because somebody says they're spiritual does not indicate that they are Christian. Because everybody's spiritual. You got a spiritual man. Everybody knows that. And everybody's going to worship something. Are you a Christian is the question. But are you spiritual? Everybody's spiritual. Everybody's, you know, into worshiping something. But we're talking about Jesus. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.